If you had to choose just one song to define your favorite artist, what would it be? I'm Cole Kushner from Dissect. And I'm Charles Holmes from the Midnight Boys. Together, we're the hosts of Last Song Standing, a show where we determine an artist's single greatest song by debating our way through their entire catalog. Our first season covered Kendrick Lamar, and now we're back to debate one of the most gifted, mysterious musicians of our time, Frank Ocean. Listen to Last Song Standing on the Dissect podcast feed starting Tuesday, August 1st, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by USAA Insurance. No matter how many times you've seen it, USAA is a crowd pleaser. That's because bundling auto with home or renters insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military veterans and their eligible family members, and they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Vital Farms keeping it bull free. We always wanted our kids as they were growing up to have stuff that came from the right places. Vital Farms is perfect for this. Here's how good Vital Farms is. You can go to vitalfarms.com slash farm and you can get a 360 degree peek at the actual farm where your eggs came from. Uh, It's a certified B corporation. They are devoted to improving the lives of people, animals, and the planet through food. Great taste. You can do fried, poached, scrambled. Vital Farms bet you can taste the difference. Food simply tastes better when you know where it came from. Shop the farm that's a certified B corporation and gives their hens the lifestyle they deserve. Vital Farms. Look for the black Vital Farms carton in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. The Rewatchables is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find Jam Session on the Ringer Dish Feed with Julia Libman and Amanda Dobbins. You can also hear Juliet on Ringer Food and Bachelor Party. You can hear Amanda on The Big Picture with Sean Fennessy, where right now we're running a narrative series about Vietnam movies called Do We Get to Win This Time? It's hosted by Brian Raftery. It's excellent. I hope you check it out. We're also brought to you by the podcast Joking Not Joking on Luminary, hosted by comedians Mo Amer and Asa Usman. They have questions for you. All the questions the modern world makes you forget. Are we living in a simulation? What is money? What is life after death? They get real when it gets uncomfortable and funny when it gets serious. Are they joking or not? Well, the podcast is called Joking, Not Joking. It's out on Luminary right now. Luminary is where we did a Rewatchables 1999 series four years ago. Now we have the treat of running a couple of these episodes on this feed. I've been on a little bit of a mini vacation the last couple of weeks, and that vacation's coming to an end. My podcast actually came back on Sunday night, but we ran Eyes Wide Shut last week, and we're running Cruel Intentions today, a movie that has aged in all kinds of bizarre ways. Most importantly, I get to unveil my Reese Ryan theory that I can't remember if I've talked about on this podcast before, but it's me and Juliet Littman and Amanda Dobbins. We taped this four years ago, and it feels like we taped it 10 minutes ago, except for the part when I talk about my kids, and they're actually little kids and not kids that one's in college and the other one's going to be a sophomore in high school. God dang, we're old. Um, We're going to be back in the swing with new episodes of Rewatchables starting next week. Still love doing this podcast. We're over 300. I was worried that we would be in trouble as we hit the 250, 300 mark with movies that we would be running out. And the truth is we're not running out. 
There's a lot of good ones left. Very excited. Very excited for September. There's a couple doozies coming in September. I'll just point out, as you know, I like to celebrate my birthday, which is on September 25th this year, on Monday, the same night that we release the rewatchables. And I usually like to celebrate my birthday with a favorite movie. So just telling you, I think that there's going to be a big one that day, but we have a couple good ones left. And in general, I've, I've been sketching out um, the rest of the rest of the year. And I, I think it's looking, I think it's looking pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. Cruel Intentions is next. Here we go. I'm your host, Bill Simmons. I'm here with Amanda Dobbins and Juliet Lippman. This is what I like to call quiet time. <laughs> I'm the only person you can't have and it kills you. She was the kind of girl who had men wrapped around her fingers. Everybody loves me. I intend to keep it that way. But someone knew. Have we met? I don't think so. I'm completely infatuated with her. Is about to unravel all her plans. You're in love with her. You don't love me anymore. I just can't take your games. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller, Ryan Phillippe, and Reese Witherspoon. Cruel Intentions. Rated R. So we've somehow managed to do it twice in a row. We did American Pie last week on this feed. And now another movie that has aged inappropriately, confusingly, it's, inexplicably. Wow, what a one-two. That's amazing. Is it, let's start here. Is it okay that I still love this movie and I enjoyed it? Is it okay? Because I feel like it it's is. It's okay. It's okay because I did too. Great. And I have a lot of questions about what I was feeling at the time. But we can have nostalgia for something even though it's wildly inappropriate. Here's the thing. I don't litigate backwards, ladies. <laughs> the past is the past. I just can only worry about the person I am now and the person we're all, the people we're all going to be. This movie happened. It did. It's adorable. It's a nice little time capsule of life in 1999. It catches Reese and Ryan. Oh, man. At the, at the peak of their relationship. Very nostalgic for that. Sarah Michelle Geller and just the heat check of a IMDb. Um, and great soundtrack. And oh, I stand by it. So many likable people except for Ryan Phillippe. Everyone's yeah. super likable. Yeah. When do we get to do that? Let's hold it for a okay. second. All okay. Right. So that's fine. This is this is a new type of movie. It's it's a, a movie with teenagers based around a bet somebody made about trying to sleep with a girl. Nobody's so ever done this before. <laughs> it's a totally new formula. I don't know. I didn't know if it was gonna work. And guess what? It backfired. <laughs> yeah. And she found out. And yeah. it went badly. Yeah. Um, One of two from 1999. She's all that. It's also the bet about sleeping with a girl. This was just the, the terrible Netflix movie my daughter just made me watch with Noah Centineo. The perfect date? Yeah, it was a variation yeah. of that where he's, it's always somebody's hiding something. And they didn't Could count on I, falling I, for the person as they were hiding this secret or they were lying right. about something. And then the person finds out and then they have to win them back. And usually they do. I guess 10 Things I Hate About You is not a bet. It's also a 1999 movie which revolves around incentivization for sleeping with someone. Right. And then she finds out. But in the end, they were in love. But I, it was just for money? I guess so. Yeah, I actually don't remember well, it that. Well, it was just, it was so that um, Larissa Olenek's character 
could yes. go to the prom. Basically. Oh, right. Okay. It was a, it yeah. was like a deal broker. Also, based on Shakespeare, gets a pass. Okay. True. I mean, well, this is this is technically yeah. We should put out French. This is, yes. Les liaisons dangereux. That's there we go. Well, and also this movie comes out. I'm going to say nine years after Dangerous Liaisons, ten years. Oh, that was out when I was in college. That was '89 or '90. Glenn Close, Uma Thurman, Malkovich. That's a classic movie. That was a big deal when it came out. Yeah, and was really well respected. Did well at Oscar time. So, like eight nine years later, they decide we're going to do the teenage version mm-hmm. of this. And my reaction at the time, and I wasn't, I was still in my twenties, was, I'm in. Well, when does it come out? Why aren't you talking about how much you love Michelle Pfeiffer and how that probably uh, colored your your view of this? Because well, because just even mentioning Dangerous Liaisons, I briefly <laughs> blacked out. Because <laughs> she's one of my favorites. Yeah. And she was great in that movie, Throwing 100 Miles an Hour. Yeah. I, I saw this movie with my friend John Hopp in San Francisco during the day. Okay. On the Friday when it came out. Because we loved Reese Witherspoon and Sarah Michelle Gellar. And we liked Dangerous Liaisons. And we had time to kill. Sure. And we just went. And we were totally satisfied. Why were you in San Francisco? I was visiting my friends. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. I was in that same time I went to my first Warriors game, that same <laughs> trip. It was a great trip. What a trip. We yeah. went to Vegas. It was, it was a great way. We threw in a little cruel intentions. It was great. This was this teen renaissance time mm-hmm. that if we're putting in the context of 1999 and, and um, that whole era, this is there was no rat pack. This was not called the rat pack or the teen pack or anything, but this was kind of a pack. They dipped into, you know, the I know what I did last summer. I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. Um Party of Five's going on, Scream. Um, a lot of good looking, talented actresses, people trying to take advantage of this, that this is what people wanted to see on dates, kids in high school, kids sneaking into R-rated movies, and it all comes to fruition with this movie. This is the perfect movie if you're like 15 in high school Mm -hmm. in 1999 and this comes out and you're like, I'm sneaking into the movie theater tonight. I'm buying a ticket for something else and then we're going to sneak into Cruel Intentions. Guess who was 15 in 1999? And you did this. Yeah. I actually don't remember if I snuck in. I think that- You might have just bought the ticket? Uh, Well, no. I was definitely too much of a goody-goody to be buying a ticket to an R-rated movie before I was 17. Also in Atlanta, they were stricter about it. I don't know. Um, I think I probably did this on VHS. Mm. I I think that that is because then you could watch it in a controlled setting, you know, and the parents weren't as nervous about that. And I've also seen it. And that was a fun era in yeah. its own right. Sure. The blockbuster. What yeah. are you renting? Exactly. Yeah. And I've seen it a lot of times, which leads me to believe that there was kind of a rewinding aspect to it. I mean, it became a cable movie at some point, but I think this, this had was a huge cable run. But this was definitely like a, I watched this movie a lot in high school, which is really troubling in retrospect. <laughs> I like so you know how much I respect Amanda Dobbins, sure, The Ringer. My daughter has the same philosophy about being afraid to sneak into R-rated movies <laughs> that there's some sort of moral ambiguity about it. Yeah. Whereas my son would just I think do also, anything. I saw Jerry Maguire in the theaters with my parents and I was sitting next to my mother during that sex scene. Oh, no. Yeah. And I never wanted to go back. Was I was it. like, I will never see an R-rated movie in a theater again. It's over. Parent or no parent. Never again. What's the worst R-rated movie you saw in the theater with your parents? Extremely clear answer. My father and I, before going to oh, no. Shabbat services on a Friday <laughs> evening, oh, no. saw He Got Game together. Oh. And it was horrible. Oh, God. Wow. It was rough. <laughs> wow. I saw Officer and a General with my stepdad and my mom in like 1982. That's and that has like a 
big sex scene Huge. with Richard Gere yes. and Deborah Winger. And yeah. I just, I thought my stepdad, like his jugular vein was going to come out of his neck. Yeah, we all, we've all had those oh, moments. Yeah. Why is this movie rewatchable, Julia Libman? I think at this point, it's shocking that it was like released it's in shockingly theaters. Rewatchable. <laughs> and also you're just like, wait, this was a movie that was really popular? And then, like I said, everyone in it is so likable. It's like exciting to see that like the kind of the origin story of Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair and Reese Witherspoon. Also, um, just some great musical cues. Everything yes. that like surrounds the movie is really good. And then the actual plot and some of like the like actual movie making is so absurd. That yeah. It's a great mm-hmm. formula of actually well done and so unbelievable that you have to keep watching. Yeah. See, the music is the key to this movie, and I think that's why it's rewatchable. Mm-hmm. It's oh, wow. The, mu- the, the soundtrack, the actual theme music, it the beats all come along. It's basically a long music video with some acting, and they try really hard with the acting, but the music is what endures, in my yeah. opinion. There's also some sex in there, which when oh, you're yeah. 15 years and old, a lot of dry oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, I do think— I- I was trying to think as a young person, this has the whole like, oh, is this what like cool older kids do appeal yeah. to it? And also because it's set on the Upper East Side in New York City, which if you don't grow up in New York, that's kind of like a glamorous world that you want to know more about. So, you know, it's it is kind of like you feel like you're stealing an adult movie and you get to watch it when you're young, even though technically it's made for teens. Though so that mm, is questionable now. I felt like it was made for adults and teens. Yeah. You're like basically 35 and under because mm-hmm. it, it's really R. It's extremely R. Yeah. Some of Sarah, Sarah Michelle Gellar really dials it up. I was in seventh grade and I distinctly remember the conversations about whose parents will be taking them to Cruel Intentions and like whose won't. And there was one movie theater on 68th and Broadway where there was like an upstairs balcony and then a downstairs. And there was a lot of people who were like, my parents will be upstairs and I'll be downstairs. So you could like separate your seating. But like, I was young for it, but people went to see it in theaters. I'm pretty sure I did. There's the naughty teen R-rated movie is kind of a tradition. Cause like Fast Times at Ridgemont High was like that. Mm -hmm. And then I think Superbad was like that for the late 2000s. You know, that movie really pushed the envelope. Great movie. And if you were 13, you weren't supposed to see Superbad. But if you were 13, you wanted to see Superbad. Right, right. So this is one of those. I don't think we can understate the moment in 1999. Well, let's start with Reese. Okay. Okay, great. Reese, um, you know, I love to bring basketball terms in the podcast mm-hmm. as much as I can. Reese was high lottery pick from really day one. We okay. We are all scouting her from super early from Man in the Moon. Um, she was in Freeway, Fear, Twilight, Pleasantville. And when she was in Pleasantville with Tobey Maguire, which was the year before, a big part of the marketing in that movie was like, these are going to be the two of the biggest actors we have. Mm-hmm. And we're catching them now in this really weird movie. But you would have bought stock in Reese and you would have kept buying it from, I would say, 94, 95 on. Mm-hmm. Fear was kind of her Fear is the role commercial poster, right? with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. That was the one where she's marketed as the lead and that movie actually made money and did well. Right. But- I mean, I I didn't know if I thought she was going to win the Oscar, love which I'm still a little surprised by. Well, I also love Walk the Line, but this is the year, so you've got Cruel Intentions, and then Election is also this year. Right. And at the end, but of we 19- didn't know about Election. No, but at the end of 1999, it's much clearer her range. But she's and- an A plus list, exactly. Yeah, but she, we didn't know that. But no. I would have bet on it, though. Is my point okay? Because she was like just really good actress, mm-hmm. attractive, looked different, carried herself differently than everybody else. It just seemed like there was a lane for her. She did. She definitely 
I think to your point, like cruel intentions, she's allowed to carry herself differently than the other women in the movie. Like even Christine Baranski, she's got like, she's way more normal. Like yeah. she just, she was on a totally different um, track. And then like looking at her IMDb, she makes a huge leap after these two movies. She goes yep. from playing like teenagers to like straight up adult roles. Like that great agenting. Whoever mm-hmm. did that for her. Really couple, impressive. A couple of facts I found out about Reese. Real first name is Laura, which mm-hmm. I didn't know. Laura Witherspoon just doesn't work as well. Agree. No? So, yeah, I totally agree. Southerners, they tend to go by their middle name, but like, yeah. just make it the first name. Refuse the lead role in Scream. Hmm, Interesting smart. career what if. Is yeah. it smart? Well, I... So she does Freeway, Fear, Twilight, and Pleasantville. Would you rather see her in Fear or Scream? Fear now, right? I mean, that's just hilarious. I just also think if you're in Scream in 96, you get grouped into the... And then you do Cruel Intentions. You're like the teen movie star. She's kind of locked in in that way. Well, Fear was a teen movie, though. Yeah, but like this ensemble nature of Scream and it being yeah. such a phenomenon and all of those like people, we now associate them with Scream and it's kind of like hard to move past it. So I think especially... It was hard for Nev Campbell to move past yeah, it. Yeah, totally. But also, maybe she made bad choices. I don't know. None of the, I guess none of those people really had great also careers Also passed out... Passed out uh, Urban Legend in 1998. Mm, that was a bad movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I The movie that I thought she was going to be a star was Freeway with Kiefer Sutherland, mm. which was like a batshit crazy, <laughs> hard to explain movie that was on cable a lot for like a year. And it's like, what is this? And mm-hmm. um, and she's just really good in it. And uh, I was not surprised when she became a huge star. Not taking credit for it. I think a lot of people were predicting it. <laughs> you but made Reese. I, thank God. If I hadn't believed. So she's dating Ryan Felipe. Philippi. Felipe, Philippi, Philippi. It's been a lot. Philippe. Been, it's Philippi. It's been twenty years. Philippi. of having to say Philippi, even though it, does, it shouldn't right, be said Philippi. that way. And he convinces her to be in the movie mm-hmm. because I'm going to step on half-ass internet research. Oh, great! That's, yeah, let's do it. Um, I want no. I'm going to save who they wanted to play before oh. they backed out, and suddenly they didn't have a lead. He was dating Reese Witherspoon, Roger Cumble, the guy who made the movie. Mm-hmm. Took her out to dinner. We ended up getting drunk. I literally got down on my knees and begged her, this is Cumble. Please, it'll only be 15 days of shooting. You'll be great. And Ryan Philippe is like, come on, we'll do a movie. And then and she got talked into it. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. You're going to love who, th- who they wanted in the movie and backed out on. I'm going to save it. Okay. But Can't that wait. started one of my favorite uh, celebrity relationships and the, the relationship that created the Reese Ryan role that I made. Oh, yes, ago. that's true. Though I was going to say, does that mean that it's one of your favorite relationships or do you? I think it's a very influential relationship. Influential oh, sure. is, is, is true. They started exactly at the same point in their careers, like for success. Mm-hmm. And then this movie, they they rose. Mm-hmm. Still, not, still nobody's on top. Then election happened. She gets a little higher. And then... Boom, Sweet Home Alabama, all that stuff. All of a sudden, she's an A-lister. Mm-hmm. And he's fine. Good career. Working actor. I like Digby Goes Down a lot. Yeah, I thought it was one of my movie. favorite early 90s, early 2000 New York movies. Um, but she ascended him, and you knew it wasn't going to last. It can't last. That's can't so last. sad. It is sad. It's so true, but it's just really can't sad. La- it's never lasted. Yeah. yeah. Except when, for like— When she started out here, it can't last. Right. LeBron and Wade in Miami. LeBron ascended. <laughs> couldn't couldn't last. They had to break up. So so you buy that rule. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I I I think that it historically is true. I would hope that people would learn from it and learn how to, you know, 
be able to cope with someone else's successes. Marriage is a long road. Supposed to, then hopefully people have long careers. How did Zach Barron deal with it when you became such a massive oh, star? He's, oh boy. You guys have stayed together. Yeah, so far. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I do think it's a death knell, though. I also really like Ryan Philippi. Nice. I actually um, like him as an actor. I, so I, I, thought, I did think he had a specific. Now? Can we do this now? Because like he could have been in succession. He could have been one of the brothers. I think that adult Ryan Phillippe is significantly worse than 20-something Ryan Phillippe. Are we sure? Uh, I, here's I'm what pretty I, sure. I was going to say Based this. Based on my for, Daily Mail reading, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I was going to say this for my nitpicks, but watching this movie last night, I thought to myself, has Ryan Phillippe ever been good in anything? Wow. Can you, like, has he actually ever been good in anything? All right, let's go. I think that he is hilarious in this. Does that mean that he's good? I I don't know. I think he kind of has no charisma in this movie. He and Reese have literally no chemistry. None. It's really, really upsetting. Although I guess it makes sense. They do say that if you have chemistry off screen, then on screen, like it, it doesn't really work. Though Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie definitively disproved that. Um, Cruz and Kidman, if you see, you could <laughs> cut sure. the sexual tension with a knife. <laughs> Those, Those sex scenes in far oh and away. But he is he's so awkward in this entire movie. And he's good when he's supposed to be smarmy because it seems like he knows how to be smarmy. That's why he's good and I know what you did last summer. Okay. He was good in that movie. Okay. I actually think they're 54, mm. whatever the cut that they decided they couldn't do, I've, I've always wanted to see that movie. <laughs> okay. Where there's like a bisexual love triangle with him and mm-hmm. Breck and Meyer and uh, Selma Hayek. Right. But I actually thought he was good in that movie. Okay. It just was a bad movie. And then uh, I really liked Iggy Goes Down. He's kind of playing the same thing in Eggby Goes Down. Yeah, well, similar. That's the, right, that's so the problem. That. Right. So the mistake he made was he should have been like, like, could he have been the the doctor in ER who no. can't settle down? No. No? Absolutely not. You don't think he could have been the guy in, the, what's the show my wife watches on Fox? The Resident. He you don't been, think he would have been the lead in The Resident? No. I think it's more likely he could have been in The Resident. He's a better actor ER. than that guy. But he's not likable. Hey, hey, Matt Zucre is great. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We love him. He's on Gilmore Girls. Um, I have a really unpopular opinion, which I kind of think Ryan Phillippe is good in Crash. I think that's... I think, I think he is too. I think he's good. I like Ryan Phillippe. I'm glad okay. we disagree. I mean, I'm glad we disagree. I'm really I, like, I guess I mean, that's an achievement of, of sorts, I guess, or maybe it also proves my point. I don't really know. Okay, that's fine. I just wanted to raise the question. Amazing moment. I don't know how we top that for the rest of the pod. <laughs> I think he's going to crash. I'm really sorry. I can't I wait to, to I'm calling Wesley when we hang, when we finish the pod and telling him you said that. Also, he's going to be so hard. Ludacris, also good in Crash. Crash? Sandra Bullock was good in Crash. Let's no? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Dangerous Liaisons. Earned $76 million. Mm-hmm. Spawned two sequels. Cruel what Intentions you, or Dangerous Liaisons? I'm sorry, yeah, Cruel Intentions. You just got Michelle Pfeiffer on the yeah, brain all the time. Once you brought her up, that was it for me. <laughs> Roger Ebert, what do you think he gave this? Oh my god! One out of four stars. What do you think? One, two, three, or four? One, uh, two, three stars. Whoa! <laughs> oh no, Roger! I don't know if I want to know the rest. It was smart and merciless in the tradition of the original story. I guess that's true. I'm going to make the case. I'm going to flip you on this movie a little bit. I like this movie. We think The Sopranos is great, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I already have a problem with this, but keep going. Tony Soprano, not a great guy. I'm, Did I'm some horrible Bill's things. Corner. I'm a Bill 
Kyle's corner. Okay. Did yes. some bad things. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sebastian did some bad things. Okay. Well, I don't care about him, but um, I think they started the antihero. Tony Soprano <laughs> gets the credit. <laughs> Hey, it's Sebastian. This Sebastian was the, our first anti-hero. Well, please don't overlook Catherine. Catherine. And Catherine. Yeah, there we had go. Had a big come up at the end. Yeah, well, you know. But Kat, Sebastian so was- Tony probably? Sebastian was redeemable. Catherine was irredeemable. Agreed. Unredeemable. She does not have a good moment in this movie. Yes, she does. What's the moment? I'm the Marsha fucking Brady of the that Upper East Side, and sometimes I well, want to kill myself. But that was a likable moment. Yeah. Well, she's, I mean, the speech that she gives she's before a that. She's bad person. God forbid that I exude confidence and enjoy sex, and everyone calls her a slut because she's a woman. She's right. She's right. She's got it's three true. lines. That's fair. Yeah. By the way, that was an edgy take in 1999. I know, but yeah. there she was with it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, she was okay. a bad person, though. Yeah, no, she like did she was some just trying to destroy people's is, lives. She is not redeemed, and they redeem Sebastian, which frankly says more about like the movie's uh, sex, uh, like gender politics, than than her. I think. But yeah, to be fair, that was one of the ways they flipped it from Dangerous Liaisons. She's the Malkovich character. Right? Or no, she's the Glenn Close character. No, she's the Glenn Close character. I was just reading. So like, Sebastian, the-, the Malkovich character. I think so. I haven't seen that movie in a long Me time. Neither. I was also really just reading head. like the the plot summary of the original, like the French uh, text that it's based on, and it's very, very close. Like the names, everything. There's a music teacher. It all is pretty much exactly the same, except at the end, Catherine gets smallpox. I think that this movie is <laughs> well. That's <laughs> happened to the best of us. I also think that his last name is Valmont in this movie. Yeah, or Valmont. And hers is Mertoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. which is like even more French. Uh, although she says it like without even a hint of a French accent. I think if the the sexual stuff wasn't so heavy handed, it wouldn't be such an absurd movie. But like the two seminal like rubbing up on each other scenes are just so funny that that it just it it taints the whole movie. They I think they were funny even in 1999. They're going for it. It's definitely over the top. I don't and know. And also her out her her costumes also like Amazing. just bring it to the next level. Yeah. But that's another reason I defend this movie is everybody's just going for it the whole movie. It's it's somewhere. Everybody. I think. It's very self-aware. Yeah, like, winking. Yeah. Like Josh Jackson, who we can talk about that character, but he's at least going for it. Oh, is he's he like, ever? He's like, all right, I'm going against type. Going for it. Yeah. The appeal. Baranski's going for it. Everyone's going mm-hmm. for it except Louise Fletcher, who I'm not sure why she was in this movie. But um, but for the most part, it's just Selma Blair's going for it. Susie Kurtz. This is kind of the problem. Ryan Phillippe only half going for it. And half the time he just kind or of Or that's just confused. who he is. Well, okay. I'm just saying. I got, I get the impression that he's like kind of like a has a weird chip on his shoulder, despite the fact that he's like really handsome and been successful for a long time. But he just seems like aggrieved to me, mm-hmm. and I feel like his his aggrieved status was wasn't well represented in this movie. But when he's good, it's because he has like an axe to grind. And first, he had like too much control in this movie. That's my take. Okay, <laughs> I, uh, Juliet, you're ready for a whole. Where what part of New York City? Do the whole New York City? Yeah, I'm that ready. neighborhood. Sure. I'm gonna save that for later. Okay. For unanswerable questions that are actually I, answerable. I just want to throw out there that I actually think that the hyper local one side of the park to the other side of the park was very good. But, um, oh, I like what she did. I didn't even know what that meant, but that sounded very professional. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. 
One thing you can clean up right away, though, is your phone bill. Switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. $15 a month, that's like two streaming services. It's two sandwiches. It's like four coffees. Why wouldn't you do this? Get this new customer offer. Go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Jersey Mike's Subs. Jersey Mike's uses only the highest quality meat sliced right in front of you, piled high with the freshest toppings. It is a Jersey Mike thing. My favorite is number 13, the Italian. Love the Italian. I'm half Italian. I like Italian subs. I especially like Italian subs made in good places. Like Jersey Mike's, planning your summer picnic, backyard adventure, or beach day? Well, Jersey Mike's. They have you covered with everything you need to beat the summer heat. They have your favorite summer sub combo. They have everything you want at Jersey Mike's. A sub above. Order on the app today or visit jerseymikes.com to learn more. Great app, by the way. Let's do the categories. Most rewatchable scene. This movie had a surprising amount of rewatchable scenes. <laughs> Sebastian and Catherine make the bet. Because I'm the only person you can't have and it kills you. No way. You can put it anywhere. You got yourself a bet, baby. I mean, a classic. Sure. The Foundational. You, you can put it anywhere line, which yeah. is like, mm-hmm. we'll get to the ramifications of that with Sarah Michelle Gellar and the history that people had with her leading into that. Um, that scene's really good. They're not quite over the top yet. They're going for it, but the next couple scenes they have after that are pretty bad. Um, the blue walls are so good in that scene. I like uh, Reese making faces at Sebastian in the car, but I just like Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. She's great. Yeah, I love Reese genuinely like her. Is one of the most important actresses in the world to me. Yeah, and I basically don't care about any of her scenes in this movie. Wow. I, I mean, I say that with so much respect, but it's just they they fall flat compared to the other stuff. Mm. It's not her fault. It's Ryan's fault. The colorblind Counting Crows elevator <laughs> escalator scene. Okay, the, the the colorblind losing her virginity scene. Let's like that's well, I, what happens. I, for me, it stops. I don't like seeing Reese lose her virginity. Okay. I like that. I like the escalator part. <laughs> I laughed when he was like, "Are you okay?" I was just like, "Oh God!" All right. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, I'm in love. Oh my God! You know, I love ex- corny yeah, no, exchanges. <laughs> that was my, my favorite scene yeah. the first time I saw this movie. Okay. I was yeah. just like amazing. Escalator scene's great. I, She's okay, going up. Well, all of a sudden, he's I was, there. Did you notice that the escalator wasn't moving when she first stood on, got on it? Like the first four steps, she walks up, and then they change the camera angle, and now the elevator's the escalator's moving on its own. Ooh. And I was like, huh? I guess they had to do a lot of takes. And that could have like, been a good nitpick. I just, my issue is that nothing this romantic has ever happened in Penn Station, nor will it ever happen in Penn Station. Right. I just like, I'm, you know, if you've ever been on one of those escalators, like there's going to be no reconciliation at the top of it. There's some wino lying in front of her. Yeah. I like that scene because it's a really cool song choice mm-hmm. for the moment. Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know, it's just one of those scenes you can kind of see in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which says something. The breakup scene is intense, and we'll get to the reasons why, but that's actually, that's the one time he actually acts mm-hmm. in this movie in a real way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to make this any clearer to you. 
You mean nothing to me. You were just... You, you were just a conquest. You're such a coward. Look at yourself. You're shaking. Is this what you came to tell me? Yeah, you're completely fucked up! Get out. That scene's good, and that's some good Reese acting. That's some, you're going to win an Oscar someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to win an Oscar for uh, having a fake Southern accent. Catherine double-crossing Sebastian. Pretty mm -hmm. solid. Mm -hmm. Didn't see it coming. Um, Sebastian writing the letter to, to Reese with the Amy Mann song playing. <laughs> It's really strong. So, strong soundtrack pick. I can't believe all your picks are from like the last third of this movie. Yeah, I like, I like the last third. Okay. And then the uh, the ending's transcendent, and that's my pick. I love the ending. It's really good. The, the last five is minutes really is good. really great. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I wouldn't change a thing. Visually memorable from the headmaster coming out to kind of open the little cocaine cross to Reese driving the car. Incredible with slow symphony. motion. Yeah. The shame faces of the people looking up from the diaries and in slow yeah. motion shaking their heads. It's I really great. I meant to look this up. Did we get a tiny Jessica Chastain cameo? Was she one of those students? It looked a lot like her. Oh, wow. It the like, age would fit. And I, I think she's it my age. It might have been her. It, it was like, I was like, no. whoa. Man is looking I'm at Googling. It. I'm not finding it. Damn it. Just looks yeah. so much like her. What's it look like? Damn. Um, I have another nominee. Okay. The pool scene when he's playing the loud music. Oh, to, that's good. To bring and her then the, yeah, into the, the cardigans. Yeah. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah. I like the pool scene a lot. Also, I just love the absurdity of him having bought her a swimsuit. Or oh, that's what he hands her, right? A swimsuit? Or is yeah. He, yeah. And then she tries it on. Yeah, she puts it on. <laughs> I mean, that's like some that's like treating her like a hooker, which is fine. I can't say I've ever wanted to buy anyone I was dating or interested in a swimsuit. I think you're hopeful. That's fine. Yeah. It's like, hey, I got you something. I got you a swimsuit. I always felt like that was like one. specifically people pick that out for themselves. I don't think men can understand how hard it is to find one that really yeah. fits well. Yeah, that's true. Though at this point, like I really like going to the beach and I like swimming and it is hard to find one. So like if if my husband and my husband only found like a good swimsuit for me and was like, here, I think you would like this, then I would like it. But it's a pretty specific context. For your first like interaction. No, well, he also gives her the, does he give her the backpack afterwards? Um, I think that's before. Okay. He gives her a lot of gifts. Yeah. I like the backpack. I, as you both know, I'm a sucker for a monogram. So yeah. Monogram backpack was good. Pretty cool. Would have mixed in some more jewelry. The ending's the memorable scene yeah. in this movie and the, the one that lives on. The and, Coke necklace is just incredible. And when when Craig's generation, producer Craig, when they're judging this movie mm -hmm. and and shaming it and shaking their head at it, yeah. they can't change how great the last five, five yeah, minutes are. That includes when Sarah Michelle Gellar and Reese finally face off in the bathroom. Just everything. Because that's everything. great. They aren't really in the movie together. No. And then the, the and you get that moment in. and that's very fun. And Bittersweet Symphony. Yeah. The song of a Good generation. Stuff. Good stuff. I got some good stuff on that. Uh, next category, most 1999 moment possible. Oh, wow. You haven't done the rewatchables 99. Yeah, this is a special yeah. 99 category. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I narrowed it down to two. Okay. The, the runner-up is the Counting Crows being involved in a pivotal scene mm. of a movie. And specifically losing Feels your virginity. Very 90s. Yes. But the answer is when Sebastian says to Ronald, Ronald, email is for geeks and pedophiles. <laughs> That could only have been said in 1999. In 2001, people were like, what are you doing? Or you would have emailed that to somebody. It's so good. Great line. Any really other 1998, nine-ish um, 
things in this movie that stuck out together in the soundtrack? Sebastian's specific phone. That like that's a phone mm-hmm. that I, you know, only also at that time phones were still pretty big. So that was like really expensive that he was able to have that. Yeah. That was pretty dope. Also just the fact that Sean Patrick Thomas is in it and like a port important. He was Yeah, he, he had a nice like little late gonna, 90s run. Yeah. yeah. Uh Seventeen magazine being a pit of pivotal plot point. Yeah. And then uh when Christine Baranski says Oh, don't give me any of that racist crap. My husband and I gave money to Colin Powell. I guess that puts me in my place. That was amazing. That yeah. was very 1999-ish. So there you go. What's age the best? I'm going to start here because I, I know I care about this more than either of you or anybody really. Sebastian's car is out of control. I was wondering the how you 19, felt about it. 1956 Jaguar XK 140 Roadster. Um, I don't even think you could drive this car anymore. Because even like in the research I did for the movie, Reese had to drive it. And she said it was like just shaking. Like 1956 in a convertible is like a death machine. Um, <laughs> they make it seem like the coolest car ever. But any scene that was in it, I was just like, oh. It's like that, like Dylan McKay's Porsche. Oh, my God. Those, uh, at some point in life, I'm getting one. Okay. I don't know when. It's happening. I support you. It'll be a little death machine that'll shimmy when I drive. But God, that car's great. Um Cecile, this is what I like to call Quiet Time, just for the record, because my wife loves this movie more than all of us. Oh, mm-hmm. great. Quiet Time was a running joke in our house for like five years. <laughs> if I was doing something and she was talking, it's like... <laughs> Summer Blair is very good. Um, the coat cross slow motion when the guy reaches in and pulls the spoon out and he just kind of does the head shake. And yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar is the deer in the headlights, like in tears. That like five seconds is great. Ryan Reese, Sarah Michelle Gellar versus LeBron Wade and Mello compare and contrast. Oh, wow. I think that Ryan Reese. He's Mello. And yeah, Ryan's Ryan's Mello. Mello, He's definitely Mello. But I think he's more valuable to his squad than Mello is to his. So I go with the actors. Okay. I I feel like they have more power. Do you like Sarah Michelle Gellar as Wade? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Reese was LeBron. Yeah. Reese is still LeBron. I feel like Mm -hmm. Sarah Michelle Gellar is happy to be Wade, just like Wade's happy to be Wade. Reese and LeBron, Reese starts earlier, but uh, it's 2019. Reese still incredibly relevant. Um, she's LeBron's still relevant. They both the transition from like player to management, basically. She's a producer. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. also a producer doing all this we stuff. We both wondered if they could mm-hmm. still be a superstar after all these years. They're they, still doing it. Both live in Brentwood. Big <laughs> Little Eyes versus yeah. the Lakers. Yeah, There's yeah, a lot yeah. of parallels. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two of the great, great specimens we've had. So that's a really good point. Also, both committed parents photographed often with their children. No competition for what their lanes are. No, not like who is who is on Reese's corner in the last twenty years. I mean, the only people close to it are people she's invited to come over to her corner, like right. the people she works with. And it's always on Reese's terms. Mm-hmm. Similar to LeBron. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're with the crew, you're not. Like and like LeBron had the occasional rival, like mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore, a little bit on her corner for a little while, but Reese never even acknowledged it or took it seriously. Probably even made a movie with her. Yeah, at some point was Reese ever in a movie with Drew Barrymore? I don't think so. I don't think so. But they were kind of like both doing the rom com thing at the same right. time. Kate Hudson also in the mix, but and now Kate Hudson is like trying to do her own lifestyle. And oh yeah, Kate was yeah. Kate Hudson was on her corner for like a second. Yeah. But, no, no competition. But, but also, there's, there's something to be in the signature blonde who can act yeah. in Hollywood. That's like almost like a championship belt. Who's that now? Signature blonde who can act. Um, does it have to be an American? J-Law? 
Oh, interesting. Did she call her a blonde? No. Jennifer Lawrence? Late J-Lo. Yeah, sure. Late brown hair? No, I think that she's she called J-Lo a brown? blonde. I always thought of her as a brunette. What about Emma really? Stone? She's not she a blonde, She's not though. a blonde. She's not a natural blonde? She is a natural blonde. Jennifer Lawrence actress, is probably... Probably. She's blonde off-duty. So. Jennifer Lawrence definitely combined a lot of the stuff we liked about Reese. Where, like, everybody liked her sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Tried different roles and... Not as type A as Reese, which is one of the But we didn't know about the type A Reese forever. I, but I did, in my heart. You can sense it. You <laughs> I can didn't sense that she's on her shit and she's not suffering fools. And that is, I have known that about Reese Witherspoon since Legally Blonde, and it is why I love her. Hmm. I think also Reese Witherspoon, well, you can, you, perhaps you can answer this better, but I feel like Jennifer Lawrence has like a real like sexiness to her that Reese Witherspoon did not have as in the younger stage of her career. And that, like, also, uh, I disagree. Okay, but I even just, in like, this, even in this we, movie, we are, which the you know, camera, my friends love Reese the camera screen. is lingering on certain aspects in that pool scene, but she's still not. She's not. She's the sexy like, there's a wholesomeness. I agree. Yeah. I see she's the whole. There's like a frumpy in, in this movie. The way they dress her, the high waisted. Like, I mean, it's it's real. You've got male core for yeah. sure. But I kind of like it. Also, ba- very bad bras. Julia, welcome yes. to the nineties. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that 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 was. We should have put that in the nineteen ninety nine thing. The way she was dressed. Yeah, because like two years later, things flip. Sure. Mm-hmm. But this is still the vestige of. But like, even when, Selma Blair gets to look like hotter than Reese Witherspoon in this movie. Mm-hmm. Clo- clothes only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's on purpose. That yeah. could have been a which stage yeah. the worst. Uh, the New York scenes. I thought they were very good. Let's go, Juliet. I th- well, Let's have your scouting report of the New York scenes. <laughs> he obviously, Sebastian and um, Catherine obviously live on 79th and Central Park West. It's one of the only transverses that like, it's called the 79th Street Transverse and it opens onto 79th Street on the east side. Also, that is just like a really famous building. I think it's like the Ukrainian embassy or something like that. Incredible building. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and then I'm pretty sure Reese lives on Central Park West between 82nd and 83rd. So at the end, when they're both like walking in the park, I was like, yeah, that's probably the most convenient way to get to each other's homes. Not that far of a walk. Mm. I thought that like all really made sense. It was very much the Upper East Side and then like a little Central Park West. The thing that didn't make sense at all is where the fuck that estate is. What is this, Connecticut? Somewhere like- He says I, on the island. So I assumed it was somewhere- I had a lot of questions about that. I yeah. assumed like Greenwich- It looks like Connecticut. It does not look like Long Island. It I assume the Greenwich, like Chopin, where they had the giant houses right in the water. Yeah, but, but then you like Penn Station implies Long Island, and yeah. he also says the island. So I assume it's sort of like Hamptons area. This Other- would have been a good uh, unanswerable question because I had no idea where that house is. Yeah. I would have guessed. Yeah. Could you have said like, like a like a Rye maybe or like a Harrison maybe? But the plots of land up there is like aren't that big. I, it's more like Chappaqua. I feel like it's more like that mm. that kind of. Chappaqua, Katona, that part of Westchester. But it, it just didn't make sense. Other thing about the Penn Station thing is why she's going up the escalator and he caught her up there. Like, was she getting off the train where he met her or something? Yes. But I mean, but the where? timing there, I mean, that was definitely like a nitpick situation. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then he calls Greg. Right, and he's like, she's getting into Penn Station in 20 minutes. Yeah, and he's like crossing at, I think, the Queensboro Bridge and it's like suddenly waiting at Penn Station. No, that's not how. That's not happening. Yeah, if they make that movie now, he's just trying to get an Uber. Like, where is it? <laughs> and then another What's Age the Best, the soundtrack. Amazing. Yeah. Every You, Every Me. I always like that song. Placebo. Sure. Praise You, Fat Boy Slim. Mm-hmm. That's, that one was like, oh, right, this song I forgot. That song was in a couple movies. It was I in feel She's like that, that. that was like kind of a movie slut, that yeah. song. Uh, Coffee and TV Blur. Mm. Bedroom Dancing by Day One, which you would know it if you heard it, but mm-hmm. I never knew that was the title of it. 
Colorblind Counting Crows. Not on an album, I don't think. I think they just snuck on the Cruel Intentions thing. Wow. You could make a killing, Amy Mann. Amy Mann, beloved 90s. And the cardigans. Don't look, overlook the cardigans. Which That's are, not on the soundtrack. It's not? No. Okay. But it's, it's in the movie, not on the soundtrack. It's in the movie, but it's on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, yeah. which is like a very 90s Another thing. 90s so, yeah. So it's important. 97, right? Bittersweet Symphony, The Verve. Okay. Uh, anything else? Any other songs to come? No, I mean, I already said that's about a murderous Loveful, row. So, yeah. Love, I mean, Bittersweet Symphony is like maybe the song of the decade. Loveful also had a 90210 run. Yes, it did. Loveful was also available for movies and TV. I think mm-hmm. after 90210, I mean, after Romeo and Juliet, they just were like riding the wave. Yeah. It was such a I big definitely part of that. saw them at an Atlanta version of a jingle ball. Uh, and I went because of the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. I mean, it's just one of the best soundtracks of all time. Really Zoe and I were driving back from San Diego from the soccer tournament, and she has this Pop Rocks playlist sure. that she made from Spotify. And they were put Goo Goo Dolls were playing Slide. Yes. And I was like, Zoe, amazing birthday party in Anosuno with Goo Goo Dolls once. <laughs> Steve Sanders. Steve, yeah. She was like, really? Where was it? She was totally in. I think I can get her to watch Nano Tuna. Amazing. Now. I love when Steve dated Claire and that was they broke up at oh, that party. Yeah. It was really that, good. That, that was a big booking for the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. Cute. Well, they, they also- had like three songs. Cardigans also were they played in Peach Pit After Dark. Oh yeah. Remember? Yes, I do. I think the big- two and like a secret music tastemaker. What about Color Me Bad? That was yeah. like a, that was a great one. <laughs> they had great music on that. So show. what age the best for you? I'm going with the soundtrack. Or Sebastian's car, which I just can't get over how unbelievable that car is. I think I'll go with this soundtrack too, because it is amazing how poorly most 90s soundtracks date. Yeah. I mean, with the, you know, we were talking about Romeo we and Juliet, which it. is a really important week, one. With that, mean how Girls. Mean Girls, how it just missed this opportunity. Yeah, exactly. On- and especially, and as we talked about on that podcast, like the the movies that are targeted to young women or to like include young women are often just have the corniest soundtracks in yeah. the world, but this nailed it. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. Loved it. I, soundtrack. Yeah, soundtrack for okay. sure. Although I will say the real estate's also amazing. Like not mm-hmm. like all of those homes are just like incredible. Juliet's my real estate soulmate. <laughs> yeah. She really is. I love I love the apartment, the blue walls. I, I love Selma Blair's apartment too. Like all of them, the hardwood. I mean, there's not a mm-hmm. carpet to be found in those homes. I loved it. If we ever had a terrible falling out, I'd have a lot of holes in my heart for things <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to recapture with anyone else. But real estate would be <laughs> nobody really gets the light in their eye with celebrity real estate like you do. The right kind of house. Every day. I know you're going to care the most Dude, out of anyone in my life. Can I tell you what? That means so much to me, Bill. Yeah, Thank you. I figured it would. Moments before we did this podcast, I was looking at the new homes of the Vanderpump Rules cast oh, all in wow. the valley. Oh, my Lord. Oh, they went all valley? <laughs> they all went to the valley. Where'd they go? Like Encino? North Hollywood and, and Valley Glen, basically. Valley Glen. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's age the worst? You can't say everything. <laughs> I'm going to start with Sebastian. Yeah. Who's our hero of the movie? And yeah. He's reprehensible, morally, but yet yeah. somehow I'm rooting for him by the end, and I don't really know why. Which is why I said the Tony Soprano parallel. Um, this ushers in twenty years of yeah. Of uh, all right, I'll. I hope it works out for you, even though you're bad. Of all the movies in the world, to say this ushered in the anti-hero figure. Oh yeah, it's first. <laughs> Prove me wrong. You're so right. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Okay. Came out for Sopranos. Like shortly before. Yeah. Prove me wrong. <laughs> um, I'm going with Christine Baranski's character, the Mrs. Caldwell. That's just ridiculous. And like she's so out of touch. I mean, the most the, the most ridiculous scene is when um Selma Blair like walks in from behind and her hair's all messed up and she's just like accepts the fact that she was maybe in a different room or something. 
That's she said ridiculous. she was shopping. Yeah, shopping at like ten in the morning. Yeah. Okay. It was probably even earlier yeah. than that. That was bad. I'm gonna go with the homophobia, mm. which that's quite. Oh, we have more. What age the worst? Okay. Well, I'm just. Throw, I'd like to throw that. I, in. I wrote down Josh Jackson's gay guy character. Yeah. Very yeah. rough. Yeah. And I think he felt like he must have known at the time. I'm pushing the envelope. I'm gonna dye my hair. And I'm going to introduce the world. He, in one of the oral histories, he's like bragging about the character. Oh, right. He's like, I really was, you know, that was an important character for me. I'm trying to change stereotypes. It's like, what are you talking about? If Reese had 15 shooting days, he had what? Two? Three? Oh, no question. Very, very They did few. catch a white hot Josh Jackson, though. And this is Dawson, mm-hmm. Dawson's <laughs> Creek's uh, Apex. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to him with Apex Mountain later. The opening scene is Sebastian like horribly internet shaming Tara Reid. Yeah, that I was, had forgotten yeah. about that until that's I probably re-watched. you get kicked out of school and um, it's definitely probably illegal. prosecuted. It's, yeah. yeah, I think that falls under the definition of revenge porn at this point. Which yeah. So if they remade this movie, it's just over after six minutes. He goes to jail, <laughs> yeah. and that's nothing else happens. <laughs> the stunt casting. Of Sarah Michelle Gellar as the bad girl. Mm-hmm. As, as a brunette. Aged, as, as a brunette bad girl has aged badly just because it felt like a much bigger deal in 1999. It was like, whoa, Buffy, what's going on? But And that now 20 years later, it doesn't have the same luster. Okay. So it's just lost. It's just the it impact hasn't of aged it. Well. Yeah. Okay. It was a great, it was almost like Lacey Chabert and Mean Girls, same kind of thing, where it was like part of the gimmick of it was how shocking it was okay. to see somebody in that role. As long as we're not saying that her performance hasn't aged well, because I think it's tremendous. I thought I think it's she's aged, great. I yeah. actually think we could have put her in what stage the best. I, I I think so as well. I think she it's and to that end, and I was watching it, and I was like, wow, I forgot how good she is in this. Like, do you want to do this like, now? Because I was going to save this. Okay, well, let's save it. Let's save it. No, I'm ready to do it now. Well, but we're in the negative category right now. So let's- No, but we'll okay. spin it to a positive. Okay. Unless you have other what's HD worse. I think we. I think the homophobia is hard It's hard to beat. It's yeah. really bad. Gregory? It's like really really accent he has? It's what really, he really bad. And yeah. then, like, they clearly know in the movie that it's bad, too. So Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, I'll save it. I'm going to save it. Okay. Okay. Casting what ifs. Yes. Oh, what do we think gauge the worst? The uh, internet shaming of Tara Reid? And the homophobia. I think together those are, it's just, it's not a great look. Casting what ifs. They wanted to play for Annette, Katie Holmes. Oh, she would have been good in that. Not as good, but that, that works. Writer director Roger Cumble didn't think she had enough strength of character for the role. I know what that means. That just means she does not have a lot of like, Charisma depth. and a lot of energy. Yeah. So imagine her and Ryan Phillippe. It would just be like two wet rags trying not to. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else she's like ever been in except for Dawson's Creek and teaching Mrs. Tingle. Like, what else is she? Oh, and Go. She, she, she was, was in, in go. the first Batman, remember? And then oh, she had yeah, to quit. Everyone hated her. No, right. and then no. Oh, Tom Cruise made her quit? I Allegedly. Still love her. Allegedly. Yes. Yeah. I still like her. Okay. okay. They wanted, I love her now, by the way, with Jamie Foxx. For the Summer Blair part, they wanted Brittany Murphy. She wasn't available. Hmm. Okay. Probably a good move. Christine Baranski, her daughters were big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans, and she wanted to impress them, so she took the gig because it was I three days I always like that story. Yeah. yeah. Deanne Waiter's a word. That's all I have for casting what ifs. Everything okay. else kind of went by the book. Deanne Waiter's a word. I thought Christine Baranski was a nominee. She's oh. dialed it up. I mean, uh, I love Summer her Bear's all the time, a nominee. Yeah. So, and your dude, Sam, Sean Patrick King, what's Thomas. his name? Thomas. Sean Patrick Thomas. <laughs> of of uh, Save the Last Dance fame. And also, she, he's also in She's All That, I believe. Uh, I, th- I think it's Selma Blair. She's great in this movie. 
Uh, I'm saving Selma Blair for another category. Me as well. <laughs> Doing too much? Yeah. yeah I like that. it. I'm um, going with Baranski. I like Baranski as the racist well. New York. I, I think it just take too close to uh, Juliet, the Baranski character. I, Maybe I, she has an aunt or somebody in New York. That my, remind- my avatar on Slack is Christine Baranski. I would never, okay. I would never uh, say anything bad about her. Have fast internet research. This movie was originally called Cruel Inventions. Oh. Test audiences thought they made it sound like a science fiction film, so they changed okay. it and changed all the stuff around it. Reese took the job, worked on her character's lines with Roger Cumble for a week, and gave the character more depth. Roger Cumble said she was a genius. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Worked on the dialogue, tried to give her a little depth, added a little quirks and nuances. The scene in which they break up and she hits Ryan Philippe. 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 <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, unexpected. His reaction oh. was genuine. He was so into the scene right after the cut, he went behind the set and threw up. Whoa. Okay. It got so intense and she really hit him. Well, they and, were in love. Yeah, and they were in love. Yeah. Maybe they were in a fight that day. Who knows? According to the costume designer, Selma Boyer's red hoodie was supposed to invoke Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. Sure. I, it's like I don't even remember Great. that, but okay. Did you know that they almost did a TV pilot in 2015, NBC, that they greenlit it? Yes, because— The character was Sebastian Valmont and Annette Hargrove's son, Bash Casey. Oh, my God. I don't know why that Bash Casey? Bash Casey. I think I only knew that because it's been, like, knocking around in development for a couple years, and we three have been on a text chain about it at some point. Well, Sarah Michelle Gellar reached a deal with producers to reprise her role as Catherine Mitois. And uh, NBC decided not to go through with it. Probably. Good I'm advice. so happy to hear that. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar, she doesn't deserve that. The Kiss won Best Kiss Award at the MTV Movie I do Awards. remember that. Of and course. Gellar said, all I can remember thinking was I could kiss Selma all day. Her skin was so soft. My skin is really sensitive, so when I kiss on camera a lot, it gets raw. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Sarah. That is about as half-assed internet research <laughs> as I can get, Craig. <laughs> Selma Blair is three to five years older than everyone else. Producer Neil Moritz contractually agreed to the film being rated R and nothing less. Okay. Had to be rated R. And then he went on to do all the Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. God knows what he's doing. Yeah. The sex scene in the or the escalator scene was initially supposed to be the Smashing Pumpkins song to Sheila. And Billy Corgan turned them down because he's always the worst at all times. Yes. He really seems like he's he is. He's just the worst yeah. guy. He's just terrible. So he didn't want to be in it. So okay. dumbass. Toward the end of the film, Catherine tells Ronald, Sean Patrick Thomas, your mm-hmm. guy, that- uh, Why is he my guy now? You're his guy. Okay. You like him. All right, sure. Sebastian said Sebastian hit her. Mm-hmm. They actually filmed a scene of Sebastian hitting her, and they took it out because uh, it didn't fit, and the writers wanted to keep it ambiguous. Of course it didn't fit. What right. have made him an un- yeah. unambiguously bad guy yeah. if you done that? Him, like yeah. 20 seconds just later. Just saying they filmed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't okay. find it on YouTube. Can't find this movie, kind of. It's hard to find. I think everyone's kind of, Reese was kind of like, hey, can we get rid of this movie? Walk away slowly. <laughs> <Can> we, uh... <laughs> so, Bittersweet Symphony, it uses a sample of the Rolling Stones song the last time. Yes. Mm-hmm. The song cost close to a million dollars, which was 10% of the budget. They tried 200 other songs in its place, could not figure out what was a better song, and decided to spend... 10% of the budget on this song, which I think is the decision that's aged the best in this movie. 
I agree with you. So I have a question. Yeah. This song, Bittersweet Symphony, came out before the Verve had paid the Rolling Stones. Like, they, like, sued them and everything. So had the Rolling Stones already won that lawsuit when this movie came out? Because I thought that was later. I think they probably had to get permission from the Rolling Stones. Oh, because they knew about the the sample. sample. Gotcha. So it cost a million dollars. It was a great decision. It's like... Great decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not working with... It uh, defines the movie. And also a big big, uh, decision that helped them to Sheila not being used. Whatever the hell that song was. (laughs) Never get involved with the Smashing Pumpkins. You can avoid it. Apex Mountain. Ryan Felipe. Philippi? Um, Ryan Philippi? <laughs> I don't know, Bill. We've named a lot of other movies in which he was great. So. <laughs> Crash? <laughs> Maybe. Wow. Um, I think it is his Apex Mountain. I do, too. I do, too. Because you would have said after this movie that he was going to have a career where he headlined some movies. And, and he did. They just weren't good movies. <laughs> I don't he know what I would have, but yeah. He was a headliner for a few years. Absolutely. Was, sure. Yeah. He was, him and Freddie Prince Jr. I mean, that's the thing. These two power couples, Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar, and then Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Philippi. It's like, I don't even know what to compare that Only to. Only one stayed. Mm-hmm. I that's, actually, you know what? Because the Freddie-Sarah thing was already like this when they started dating, even though Freddie was doing pretty well. But Sarah was always like this. They knew. They knew. I'm, I'm, I don't even want to bring it up because I don't want to jinx it, but like it's just really heartwarming to me that they're still together. It's been me a too. long great time. Great Instagrams. Me too. Yeah. Really great. They seem like a really sweet, normal family. I feel the same way about Amanda and Zach Barron. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, Apex Mountain. I'm going to say yes. Huh. Well, Buffy was a phenomenon. So, this was the yeah. same year she hosted SNL and she was one of the best okay. SNL hosts of that Thank decade. Thank you so much for bringing yeah. it up. I went to that episode. The Bachelor Boys were on. Oh my God. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> it's almost 20 years ago in like two weeks. That was the family dinner episode. Yes. And David Boreanaz and Seth Green came out. That was, I, was, I drive a Dodge Stratus. You was, went to that episode? I was 13 and I snuck Incredible. in. I had to pretend that I was 16. It was like the happiest weekend of my life. Incredible. Thank you so much for bringing it up. Great job. I'm going Apex Mountain because Juliet Saar. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Uh, Saturday Night Live. Buffy and Buffy. Yeah, of course. Buffy 1999 was as bad as big as Buffy was going to get, I think. Right? That sounds right. Because it's starts three years in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's about to have a spinoff. That's usually a sign you have a lot of power. Reese Witherspoon, no way. No. Counting Crows, no. I think that they're friends. I wanted to give it to them, but I think their friends moment is bigger than this one. Well, when, so they're putting out that second album and he's dating... Courtney Cox, right? After he had dated Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. That's got to be Apex Mountain for them. I also want to say that their music was used a lot on Dawson's Creek around this it time. Was. A lot. It's really... Mrs. Potter's Lullaby was, like, huge. I mean, this, they were very, very much in the mix. It was extremely formative for a certain type of yeah. uh, teen movie, TV um, I'm watching right now with my daughter because she has a playlist of, like, 25 yeah. Ken Crow songs. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll have a nice long tale. Great music. The Crows. Uh, this was the apex mountain for cocaine crosses, I feel like. Oh, my God. Sure. Never seen a better use of a cocaine cross. I think that's like kind of realistic. Role. Yeah. I think it's kind of realistic. I saw like a lot of casual cocaine usage when I was like 16, oh, tell 17. Us more. I just remember being at parties and like people would just be like doing coke. And I was like, what? Why are they carrying it in like a, no, in a crucifix? No, like, but like I just feel like someone necklace? would do that. Sure, I yeah. Know I mean, like someone people. would have a flair for the dramatic. That's, like, quite dramatic. Yeah. This movie also predicted the fall of the Catholic Church with, the, <laughs> okay. with all this stuff. There we go. <laughs> and the anti-heroes. <laughs> I don't have any more Apex modes. Uh, the Joe Pantoliani Award for best that guy or that girl. 
Um, I go with Swoozy Kurtz. I thought you were going to do Selma Blair. No, this is, that's a different award. That's, that's the, the spotlight so, they, so knew. they knew. Her word. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. This Wait, Joey so what's Pants, this one again? Swoozy Kurtz, the doctor, the, the therapist at the beginning. She's been in everything. Sisters okay. was not like my favorite knows show. Swo- that's Swoozy Kurtz. I know it's Swoozy Kurtz. You know it's Swoozy Kurtz. Yeah, I mean, she was a star <laughs> of Sisters, uh, a George Clooney vehicle. I can't believe sisters so, is great. great Anytime show. that Julia gets to talk about Sisters on a podcast, we're doing great. It's, yeah. Is it even streaming? No, of course not. That's Just terrible. Look for James Falconer on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Vital Farms keeping it bull free. We always wanted our kids as they were growing up to have stuff that came from the right places. Vital Farms is perfect for this. Here's how good Vital Farms is. You can go to vitalfarms.com slash farm and you can get a 360 degree peek at the actual farm where your eggs came from. Uh, It's a certified B corporation. They are devoted to improving the lives of people, animals, and the planet through food. Great taste. You can do fried, poached, scrambled. Vital Farms bet you can taste the difference. Food simply tastes better when you know where it came from. Shop the farm that's a certified B corporation and gives their hens the lifestyle they deserve. Vital Farms. Look for the black Vital Farms carton in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. We didn't have a ton of candy at the movies when I was growing up. Obviously, we had popcorn, then we had some of the basics, but I remember instantly gravitating toward the Twizzlers. And then ever since then, you know, you grow up, then you have kids. Guess what kids love? Twizzlers. No matter what the situation, Twizzlers is the perfect candy to relieve your boredom. While other candy can be too sweet and overpowering, Twizzlers is the perfect level of sweetness and comes in the perfect chewy twist that everyone knows and loves. So get your hands on some Twizzlers today. The Saul Rubinick They Knew okay. Award. Here we go. Better. Yeah. I think she's terrible at this one. I think so, she's really funny. She's walking line. I think there are a couple scenes that are very good because, you know, everyone is playing a heightened version of themselves except for Ryan Phillippe, which is why he sucks. But there, there are just a couple moments where it's like too much. Um, for example, after she learns what an orgasm is and then Sarah Michelle Gellar leaves the room and she starts being like, yeah, the secret society dance, and it's just like no, 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 T- take it down a notch. You know what happened? She's like in her mid twenties. She's trying to pretend she's like yeah, sixteen. Yeah, yeah. This is what Liam Neeson's daughter did in Taken. <laughs> What's her name from Lost? Um, Maggie Grace. Yeah, she's playing like a sixteen-year-old Taken. Yeah. So she, it's a lot of like flailing. You ass. don't have control of your appendages, and you're just like a weirdo. And I don't know. Yeah, sixteen-year-olds aren't really like that. I didn't like her in the movie, so you get outvoted two to one. All right, fine. I, I thought she was funny. I I think that she's like in the picnic scene where they kiss, she's funny. Yeah. And like her dynamic with Sarah a- Michelle Geller is it's kind of like screwball and funny, but she just takes it too far a few too many times. I think she's funny when she's when when after she has sex with um Sebastian when they're in bed. And the quiet time. Quiet yeah. time, yeah. It's part of your favorite scene. I liked her in some scenes. I just thought she doubted it up unnecessarily. I agree with Which you. is the whole point of this category. I agree with you. Picking nits, where are the parents in this movie? Uh, great question. Were they edited out? Were they never cast? Like, what, what's just going on there? sleeping in, like, Sean Patrick Scott's just in bed with Soma Blair. Yeah. Like, where, where's everybody? I, I don't know. It's the real question is where are Annette's parents? Because I can believe that yeah, because he's the, the rich dean. kids' parents are like absentee jet right. setting. You know, that's it's kind of like an exaggerated version of 
of rich city kid life. Yeah. But she's writing essays in 17 about how she's going to stay a virgin. Her dad's the headmaster and is supposed to be a full-time educator. And I'm just like, what's happening here? There's no oversight. It's implausible. By the way, that should have been, we should have put that in a most 1999 moment possible. The essay in a teen magazine about why I'm remaining a virgin. Oh, yeah. I said 17 magazine being a plot point. Oh, but I yeah. mean, going a oh, step sure. further, I don't. Yeah, I just yeah. don't feel like that happens in 2019. Also, that felt very mm, 1999 YM. I think or, you would just would yeah. do it online. You would like do it on your Medium page, or you would do it on like Rookie Magazine. But or, I definitely, there's always someone being like, "Here's my personal essay for attention." You would just thing. do it on Instagram and like a really long caption. You should just run those in the ringer. You yeah. know what else is super 99? I mean, Haley Baldwin and Justin Bieber just did this. Yeah. in Vogue. So you know, mm. um, the high end trundle bed. Loved that. Oh, love yeah. it. Oh, and in, in her when when she when he opens up the drawer and he's in there, I love. That. I almost put it in what stage is the best, but I didn't want you guys to make fun of me. The I thought, no, I thought her room was fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, loved I it. liked Very everything cool. about it. So yeah. it's such a rich person room. Incredible. The also, trundle bed is great. Also, Where do you get trundle beds? I, I don't think they're really like they're not popular anymore. I always wanted one. They're so great. It seems like something my son would have, but then he would put like 270 wrestling figures yeah. in it and it would yeah, never be they're, used. They're like not really, they're like super functional, but I've never known anyone who had one to use it as like an extra bed, except for like this occasional sleepover here right. and That's there. a quick minor nitpick I have. Where does this Sean Patrick Scott go when he leaves the room after he gets found in the trundle bed? He just walks out in his underwear. He's I don't know. out in a house with no clothes on. And, and well, there's yeah. like, and then no, are there servants? There's, he's not you know, in his no house. Parents. It was, he's in her house. Yeah. Put he's some clothes on, weirdo. He's just trying to get out of there and then get dressed. I don't know. Craig, what would you do in that situation? Oh, God. Uh, Put I'm the clothes sure. on in the in the room, right? Yeah. You can, or just grab your pants and run, maybe. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> this movie made Craig so uncomfortable. I think he needs therapy. I watched it an hour ago. I'm still reeling. <laughs> uh, another uh, picking it. The car accident fight death scene is one of the it's it's just dumb. It's a I real you, flaw in the movie. I think you survived that car accident. I think you have significant injuries, but you survived that. It's so Even, so staged. Yeah. And she's in the thing and she falls and she looks up and there's a cat. He didn't have enough time to save her. It's just the so slow. Kid actually catches him launching himself in front of yeah. the cab in order to move the plot forward. Yeah. Like he shoves her and then jumps. Well, I was gonna do this for an unanswerable question, but Okay. Is that like a kind of a half-assed suicide? <laughs> it seemed like he wanted to get hit by the car. Guess I what? Mean, it, it definitely You does. can move Reese out of the way, but then also yeah. get out of the way of the car. He's just like, ah, uh. It was, it was like, just didn't make any sense, the physics of it. The whole thing fighting next to a highway? Who fights next to a highway? That was ludicrous. Well, that was in the middle of Central Park. Yeah. So that was realistic. But it's yeah. really bad fighting. They yeah. look dumb. Right. That seems awful. Yeah. Also, I just think that's the kind of car accident you see a lot in movies, and, and the person tends to survive it. Just saying. Yeah, you got to be hit at about, I would say, 40 and, and above. Your head, your head has to be hit like with that kind of also, thing, Also, you see the car coming. You're going to jump. You're yeah. not just going to like— I agree. Bad job. Um, last one. This really bothers me, having seen the ending a lot of times. Why did Reese and Catherine pretend they didn't know each other in the bathroom? Well, they'd never met. They knew each other. Mm, did they? I don't think you want to be the one to like admit I know who you are. Sometimes there's a yeah. case where you don't want to like admit the that. They were dating. The stepsister knows the stepbrother is dating. He, I guess. Didn't he have a funeral? 
Um, yeah, we saw him. Yeah, isn't that the, no, that was the school later. thing? School uh, memorial. He didn't have a funeral. Well, he also has no parents, so maybe there was no one to right. organize the funeral. He definitely had a funeral. I don't know. So Reese didn't go to the funeral. We don't the know. The stepsister definitely went. There's we no way they didn't meet that? before. Why did? Why pretend you don't know each other? They definitely. You. It's a girl on. thing. It's a girl thing. Yeah, yeah. you just don't want to. It's like Mariah a power Carey. play. I don't know her. Yeah, when she said that about J Lo, it was yeah. a power play thing. Yes. Yeah. Do you do this in the ringer bathroom? <laughs> Not in the ringer bathroom, but in other bathrooms sure. throughout life. Sure. Also. I, I'm you such, don't acknowledge it. It's not on your radar. Yeah. Wow. This yeah. is great. I'm such a creep in the <laughs> creepy stuff stalker. all the time. I always like assume that I have way more information about someone than they do about me. So I have to go in the opposite direction and pretend I have no I know nothing. And then you Google them frantically. Well, I already have is the point. Oh. Best quote. Oh, you have any more nitpicks or no? I mean other than this entire the Penn movie? Station thing and Ryan Phillippe. Okay. Okay. Best Just quote. the concept of Ryan yeah. Phillippe. Oh, this typed out wrong. It was supposed to say, where is your is your gold dug, digging whore of a mother enjoying ballet? But it's like complete gibberish from my thing. Whatever he says there. How is your gold digging whore of a mother enjoying Bali? She suspects that your impotent alcoholic father is diddling the maid. Good. I enjoyed that. It was like the first insult. Um, oh, don't give me any of that crap. My husband and I gave money to Colin Powell. Emails for geeks and pedophiles. This is quiet time. I assume you've come here to make arrangements. Unfortunately, I don't fuck losers. So I assume you've come here to make some arrangements. But unfortunately, I don't fuck losers. It's a good one. Incredible. This sure doesn't taste like an iced tea. It's from Long Island. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I think Quiet Time is the quote of the movie. I don't know how you... Quiet Time's I really I mean, funny. I got it. Quiet Time's great. This is what I like to call Quiet Time. It's the time when we reflect on the things we've just done. Sorry. I have to put in, I'm the Marsha fucking Brady of the Upper East Side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think I relish the fact that I have to act like Mary Sunshine 24-7 so I can be considered a lady? I'm the Marsha fucking Brady of the Upper East Side, and sometimes I want to kill myself. So there's your psychoanalysis, Dr. Freud. Now tell me. When that, that played that. in, I it's like I had forgotten that that was in the movie, and then I just automatically joined in chorus with her last night watching it. Like I knew the rhythm and everything, so I I get I think that could have been one. for the 1999 section of this because that's something you wouldn't say now because nobody cause no one knows who Craig who's Marsha Brady. I know the Brady Bunch. Okay, All did right, you like okay. watch it after school? You've probably mm-hmm. seen the Brady Bunch movie. Yeah, I've seen the Brady Bunch okay, movie. Yeah. Does Liz know the Brady Bunch, you think? Probably not. There's no way. No. <laughs> she doesn't even know the Brady Bunch movie. She she has no Good pop movie. culture reference Fun of three. Keep on, keep on. Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Um, it would certainly be an interesting attempt. <laughs> I don't know how, with the theme of this movie, you could do it. Yeah, but they make irresponsible teen shows all the time, don't they? Oh, wow. Shots fired by I'm Amanda. I'm just saying. I didn't like that, and neither did Julia. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> No, I didn't mean this. Just, I, was, I was talking about like, no. terrible movies that we like. And no, you just, I mean like 13 Reasons yeah. Why, which is just like, you definitely, like, did no one think about making that movie, which is about glorifying a teen suicide? That's a good point. I, so, how Euphoria goes in that respect. Yeah. That's a great point. Euphoria is, I've seen the pilot of Euphoria. It is worse than Cruel Intentions. Really? I'm excited okay. to watch of, it. Just in terms of teens doing shocking things. Yeah. Yeah. I will say my husband saw the yes. pilot and came home and was like, I feel 85 years old and like we need to, you know, start a support group for the children. 
was his review. So I well think how I felt because I have a daughter going yeah. to high school next year, and I live in LA where this whole crazy yeah. TV show is being filmed, and it's out of control. But it's, it's like Skins, right? It's like lots of drugs and partying. Yeah. So if you look yeah. at it that Skins way, Skins is a great show. We yeah. should give Cruel Intentions the same. I mean, the thing is though that they would make a show about drugs before they would make a show about sex. sex. Yeah, yeah, because that's always been a more taboo subject. That's kind of what's so was appealing about this movie is no one ever talked to teens about sex True. or showed them sort of having it. They don't really have All it All the other this. teen movies are super sexless and, yes. uh, and like just very, like very wholesome, essentially. We mm. should have set that up on the top because the movies that dealt with sex and teens were always horror movies. Mm-hmm. And whoever had sex ended up dying during the movie. And yeah, that's right. just how it went for 20 that's years. That's part of the joke of Scream. Fast Times was like one of the only ones where anybody actually had sex in the movie. All it the went other, terribly. All mm-hmm. the other teen movies from this era, like from like this five year, it's like there's just no sex. Well, except for American Pie. Right. Which is like not really sex. Which is it's a- more about after this, right? Um, shortly thereafter. Shortly yeah. thereafter, but it's of a similar time, though it's not really targeted in the same way or to the same. Group Although of the, the sex in that movie is basically just him having sex with a pie. Exactly. And- right. It's it's all about boys yeah, having sex. It's not actual sex. Yeah. Probably unanswerable questions. Would she really remember Sebastian that fondly, Reese Witherspoon? They were in love, Bill. This is the thing, and I should have done this in Picking Nights, but like, hmm, does this plan really work for, does she really fall for this? Because the Annette character is pretty smart, and obviously she wrote an essay in 17, so she's thinking about it. She's on message. She's aware of her brand, if you will. And then he's like, here's a backpack, and... I, I, I mean, his the monogram is, goes a long way. It does go a long way, but it's a, he doesn't put in a lot of effort. She just seems so. And then it turns out there was a bet for her virginity, yeah. and 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 that she gave up her virginity, and this guy won the bet, and then he kind of felt bad after, and then she, yeah, she also has like zero reckless moments. Like she doesn't even when she's like doing something you like might not expect. She's like still in control of herself and the situation. So kind of does it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Then he reads the whole diary of all the other terrible things well, he did. She's like, you know what? This is my guy. Original burn book. he realized book. these 45 things were terrible. Yeah. I just, it looked like the burn book with the pictures and like a tagline. I was like, oh, okay. I forgot. About, I didn't realize this was some inspo. Cool. We should get rid of the ringer burn book that we made. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea before someone we finds it. We should burn that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't want anyone to We'll find make sure it. to put our own entries in first, though. Are we sure Sebastian didn't create the anti-hero? We already did that. And I don't have any other answerable questions. Um, I have nothing else to say about this movie. I just I do think it's an important 1999 movie, though. It's and it feels like it belongs to that year, right? It dips into these actors that became relevant for various reasons, yeah, and has a specific feel, right? I think Andrew Godadero wrote a great piece about it for The Ringer, yeah, and his theory is basically that this movie kind of took the teen movie wave that was going through the 90s. And kind of pushed it to its limits where then it kind of basically broke the teen movie. Mm. And there are a bunch of teen movies that come out in 1999. But after that, it Cruel Intentions just kind of sets the peak of like how far you can go and how much you can push the envelope and what people are willing to see. And they do kind of die off for a while. And when they come back, they're a lot more earnest. And it's interesting. It really, it is 1999 and because it was like so much, it was the peak of a, which is the theme we've been talking about with these movies, right? That the 1999 was like the most of everything movie year and it was the most teen movie so much so that it kind of ended that wave. And it also tapped into just this kind of pre-internet life that even though the internet was there, it wasn't a hundred percent there yet. And 
renting movies and sneaking into the movies was still really, really hugely important, especially if you're in high school or eighth grade, ninth grade. Like you went to the movies. It was what you did. Now there's, I don't know if there's more things to do. If you cast like four really popular teen, like teen stars right now and put this movie on Netflix, like it was like just coming out for the first time, I think it'd be super popular because the meme potential is like just out of control. Certainly. And it would be a sensation. And I think all of the young people, you know, if if you're 14, you definitely still want to watch this movie, I think, even now, even though certain parts of it are really outdated. So no Senneo. I feel like, I was just thinking, like, who is, like, a bad... Because Brian Phillippe was a kind of, like, the bad guy already because he was, yeah. he was like, a um, loose cannon. What in, about the guy with the hair somewhere. from Stranger Things? Charlie Heaton? Uh, or Finn Wolfhard? So No, the... So, Steve? Finn Wolfhard. Oh, Steve. His name is Joe something. Joe Carey or something like that? Yeah, but he might not be a teen. He's probably. I think there, like, Charlie Heaton would would actually the British guy who um, also like wasn't allowed in the country at one point because he had cocaine caught with cocaine. Like he could be good in this movie. Just throwing it out there. I had one more unanswerable question. I hesitate to bring it up. Oh was wow! Se- was Sebastian secretly eventually going to be gay? Hmm. Mm. Seemed to have real disdain for women. Mistreated them. Was most comfortable around his gay friend. <laughs> Maybe he was just in denial until his late twenties. I don't no? think I don't think we can say. Yeah. That's why it's unanswerable. Okay. <laughs> I think I, I don't know. I mean, he's clearly not comfortable with himself. Yeah. Uh, because he has contempt for Kept everyone. a diary. Um, other than that, so I, I don't really know what is going on with him, though I, I think his therapist would probably have some ideas and needs a new therapist now. Yeah. I mean, I think He's just a... Do him and Josh Jackson's character make out over the next five years if he doesn't get hit by a car in a very strange car accident? Hmm. I'm going to say yeah. I could see that happening. Who won the movie? Experiments. Uh, for me, it's Sarah Michelle Gellar. I agree. I 1,000% agree. She is trans. I don't know if I would have agreed 10 years ago to that. I think also she just... Her costumes are like just... It from a separate movie than literally everyone else. But I feel like they give her power. It's like armor. She's like, she just wears them really well. All those bustiers and everything. Well, the thing with her, she's tiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this movie doesn't make her seem tiny. It always she's makes imposing. it seem like she's this imposing adult villain. And yet in everything else, she's just this little adorable, you know, that, that was, they used it to her advantage in Buffy the other way where. Right her size was actually part of what made Buffy kind of cool. Also, I'm just so used to seeing her Freddie Prince Jr., who I think is tall by Hollywood standards. So she like often looks small next to him. Yes, that is true. But I think she's the only person where she's making the script work for her rather than the other way around. Oh, this leads me to my the question I wanted to bring up that we never got to. Mm-hmm. And we can end on this. I feel like her career should have been bigger. What happened? She's a know. really good actress. She is really good. Like I don't why, know. why Reese and not her? I think so much of it is just is the roles that you pick afterwards. And she just didn't, she stayed on TV, first of all. She didn't really go to do movies for a while. Right. She might have stayed on TV maybe two years too long. I think she got pigeonholed by Buffy. Yeah, which that's true. You have success early and you're but Buffy so definable. wasn't Buffy was a beloved show, but it wasn't like a phenomenon. Do you yeah, think it was a phenomenon? I mean, that's kind of the tough spot, right? Because if it's a phenomenon, then people are like, oh, we need you to be in our movie so everyone will come see it. But a lot of the teen stars from the 90s also couldn't break out of it. Like if you go back and look at the other teen movies like Barry Watson, even Jessica Biel, like all the seven, the seven, all this, the WB stars, mm-hmm. 
very few of them are able to have a good movie career. Like, very mm. few. Michelle Williams is kind of, like, obviously the apex of that. But most of them were stuck in TV and they couldn't get away from the kind of, like, good girl, good good guy image. I'm going the other way. I think but just bad choices. Pat. Harvard Man 2001. Scooby-Doo in 2002, which, by the way, I'm sure she made a ton of money on that. God bless it. They did two of those. The best and most successful thing she did movie-wise was The Grudge 2004 and then The Grudge 2 in 2006. But, like, why did no one cast her in a rom-com? Like, where was her rom-com Yeah, phase? where was her, like, Sweet Home Alabama? Well, I mean, I think that's the thing where you do too many teen movies and then you're associated, like, yeah. in the teen zone. That's why I think that's it's That's why Reese good. avoided yeah, it. Reese avoided it by not doing Scream because— mm. And it, it really does take a lot to level up from— teen star to adult star. You you do too much of that and people think of you as like the teeny bopper forever. Jennifer Love Hewitt couldn't break out of it. Yeah. But she was also too famous to like join ER in season seven. Eh, was she? John Stamos did it. He was really famous. John Stamos was on ER? Oh, yes. I don't remember that. <laughs> For several years. Really? Yes. Stamos? Yes. <laughs> I don't remember that. Got anything else, Amanda? Just really love Sarah Michelle Gellar. I, respect to Reese. Reese continues to be an important guiding force in my life. Um, so I, but I just think Sarah Michelle Gellar is great in this movie. She had more to work with. Amanda loved the New York. You're beaming after that. I mean, uh, Juliet loved the. She's kind of beaming the New York yeah, real estate. It's really hot in here. Yeah, and, love, and it's hot in here. I love the New York real estate. It's true. All right. Um, the Rewatchables 1999 presented by Luminary Media. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Me and Joe Hauser are doing Big Daddy. Great movie. That's going to be... Craig's fired up for that yeah. one. Great, great movie. We're both going to watch it with our sons this week and then wow. we'll pour it back as part of the that's movie. Special. But that's I. Your son is going to... second favorite uh, Adam Sandler movie, I think. Behind Just Go With It? Me too. Your <laughs> oh, just go with it. <laughs> Your son's going to love when they um throw the, the sticks in front of the rollerbladers. Well, you know, he he's seen it multiple times. Oh, okay. Does Sandler, love, Sandler's a god in our movie. Does he love house. that scene? Yeah, he loves Big Daddy. It's but we're going to watch it one more time. Eep. Uh, Eep thanks for listening to the Rewatchables 1999. Don't forget to check out the Ringer Podcast Network as well. We'll see you next week. All right, that's it for the Cruel Intentions podcast on the Rewatchables. We have a new one coming next week. This one was produced by Craig Horlbeck. Thanks to Julia Libman and Amanda Dobbins as well. Don't forget to listen to Do We Get to Win This Time on the Big Picture feed. It's really good. And don't forget that my podcast came back. And don't forget that we have been putting up a bunch of rewatchables episodes on YouTube, youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. We put up, I think, 10 over the course of the summer, including some big ones. Boogie Nights is up there now. Goodfellas. Uh, there's a slew of them. So if you like listening to this and you want to see us do a couple of the pods, including the vacation one where we were laughing our asses off the whole time, youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. You can find them there. There you go. I will see you next week.